0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. So, yeah, um, that happened. The Lakers just totally shell-shocked the, the hapless heat. It's a true thing. And, yeah, I'm a day behind. But you know what? News happened, and that makes it all worthwhile. Welcome to another edition of NBA Today, playoff edition of NBA Today. I am your host, as always, with the most Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoopball presentation, I say it all the time. Lovely spot, great pods, awesome basketball analysis. I can name everyone that's a part of this production that makes not just this show, but literally all the amazing content from hoopball happen, but I'll be talking for the duration of the pod about that. And as much as that would be cool, it's not HoopBall Today, it's NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. So we're not going to do that. But just suffice it to say that there are a lot of great people that are a part of this, and you can support them by going on Twitter, hoop, at hoopball tweets. got confused there, at tweets on Twitter, at tweets online, hoop-ball.com. As far as the full reaction, Lakers versus Heat Game 1, NBA Finals, Lakers trounce the Heat, as we already know. I will tell you this. There was and this is why I'm also glad I didn't give uh guess a further um what is the word? Perspective or, or side because you had two great shows that were part of Hoopball that tackled this in their own way. Uh the Hoopball Lakers podcast totally covered this. Really good analysis from the LA side, just talking about the game in general, how dominant A D was, how LeBron played, K C P. coming through, all of that. And then Dan Bespris on Fantasy NBA today, which Honestly, isn't really fantasy NBA today. He says this at the beginning of every show, by the way, because you know there's no fantasy perspective right now. But his basketball analysis, just like everyone else on Hoop Ball, is, is is top notch. It's bar none. So definitely check that out. He also went deep into how the Lakers just overwhelmed the Miami Heat with their size, and they did. Their size and their three point shooting. We're just gonna go right into it, y'all. Was really what carried the Lakers to victory. At one point, the Lakers were seven of thirteen from three. Everyone got in the act, Caruso hit one at the end of the first quarter, Rondo hit one, AD hit a couple, LeBron hit a couple, Kuhls, they were all getting involved, Danny Green, and those three-pointers really busted up Miami's press, that they were attempt- not press, zone, that they were attempting to use, and uh, it, this was before, unfortunately, Dragic went down, Bam Adebayo went down, Jimmy Butler went down, though he would continue to play, the, they had already kind of basically made those guys non-factors. Amayo went down with eight points and four rebounds, and most of that was before he got injured. So he, he just wasn't he wasn't able to handle AD. He just wasn't able to do it, and uh, that 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 didn't help. Goran Dragic with the plantar fascia tear that that wasn't great. Um, and even if he plays, which he's doubtful, both him and Bam Adebayo was reported today. I'm recording this on the first of the month, Wednesday of October, the first. I'm just getting all confused. It was reported that both Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic are doubtful for Game 2, which, I mean, let's be real, I kind of expected. I think we all expected that. That was uh, between a shoulder injury and a neck strain for Bam Adebayo, and then for that plantar fascia tear for Goran Dragic, that, that's, that's big. And here's the thing about both players. Let's say they both come back, right? You're not getting the version that got the heat to the Finals. I mean, I have plantar fasciitis. I I I can't even compare that to playing high-level basketball for 40 plus minutes a night, you know, at the point guard position, doing everything Goran Dragic does. But I can tell you that that hurts like a mother. It really hurts. And I haven't torn mine. It's just it's just you have it. You know, that's a tear. And I mean, what can you do with that? You can fight through it. You can get a shot in there, which also isn't exactly a walk in the park. But then when you play, you're just not simply going to be as effective as you were. You just aren't. Jim Butler playing with a banged-up ankle? I mean, the adrenaline probably helped him in Game 1. I mean, having stiffened up a little bit, that might be a little tougher. Although, you know, you can expect that he had round-the-clock treatment, same as the other two members of the Miami Heat that were injured, but that's still rough, right? And then Bam Adebayo, who was really big to what Miami does in general. And I'm speaking in the past tense just because I don't think he's going to be nearly as effective if, indeed, he does play, but... And unlocking their offensive versatility as far as someone who can initiate from that five position. You know, really a big player in their handoff game, in their screening game. Someone who was making passes in the role. Someone who's a playmaker from that position in general. Offensively, you know, you saw the big performance he gave and gave six of the Eastern Conference Finals. He, he's the hub of the team next to Jimmy Butler. And having that as a loss, I mean, what do you turn to if you're Miami? In fact, you know what? Pause. We're, we're going to do something a little special right here. Welcome to the Hoopball Heat Podcast. Yes, really just a special segment. We may have a Hoopball Heat Podcast coming up soon. No disrespect to that future host. But right now, the host of the Hoop Ball Heat Podcast is Corbin Forge. You can follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Okay, I'll drop the act. We're going to look at this from the Heat perspective real quick and see what, if anything, Miami can do, right? So let's assume that Draghi and Adebayo are out because it looks that way. What is Coach Spolstro going to do? Uh, for one, we know that he'll probably keep it Close to the vest. is not a guy who's going to go in the media and tell you, you know, morning of, hey, we're going to make these huge changes. But what the first thing I would do is is probably start with Hero, and this is why. You could start with None in, in place of Hero at the start, but Hero already started in Dragic's place at the beginning of the second half of game one. So I'd imagine that he would do that and that None will come off the bench. Now, Spolster could definitely flip it around start none, and then have Hero come off the bench in his in his wake, you know, to relieve him. And to be honest with you, that's all well and good, and, and very possible, but none just got back into the rotation, and, and obviously this was due totally to circumstance and the fact that they really needed him to come. Before this, Nunn had not really been playing at all, and, and that's kind of big. Do you want him to go from not playing in general to then coming in and, and having to make that big of an impact? I, if I was Colt Spolstra, I wouldn't. You ease none back into the game. that That's how I think you would look at it. As someone who can get it, you know, he, he hits mid-range jumpers pretty reliably. He was second in the NBA Rookie of the Year race. that that's, that's what you're looking at as far as easing him back in. He started all 67 games of the regular season. Then he was going from that to 11.5 minutes off the bench, and then only 3.2 points in nine of Miami's 15 playoff games before game one. Now, granted, the dude comes off, scores 18 points on 8 of 11 shooting in 20 minutes off the bench. Most of it glorified garbage time. Before that, he had scored 29 points. All postseason, 29 points on, get this, 12 of 41 shooting and 3 of 20 from three-point range. That's not somebody. All due respect to Kendrick Nunn going off in the second half of a game one where you are down by 20-plus points. All due respect to that. That's not somebody I'm saying, here, we're giving you the start. I just wouldn't. Play Tyler Hero. Now, Here's the problem playing Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero knocked down some threes. Tyler Hero had a great Eastern Conference Finals. Tyler Hero did not have a great Game 1 of the NBA Finals. He, he just didn't. Defensively, it was like blood in the water every time LeBron saw Hero. Just immediately hunted for him. Immediately hunted for him. Now, and, and mind you, Hero, that's just not his. I mean, he's already like, I guess, a decent defender. Uh, he can hold his place. not going to be played off. But he's already one of the weaker ones. You know that. Kiro and Duncan Robinson are going to be picked apart in the pick-and-roll, just as a rule, if they can get that. But LeBron James? No, you don't, you don't want to do that. No, and and that's what happened. And it, it was almost like Miami didn't even mind that this was happening. We all knew that LeBron was going to do that. In fact, at the end of the first quarter, in fact, what led to Caruso's three, LeBron has the ball, brings it up court, 27 seconds left. He runs the clock, runs the clock, runs the clock. About 10 seconds left, he calls for the switch because at the time, it was... I'm trying to remember who was guarding him. Um, He had... Um. Oh, my goodness. He brought the ball to the middle of the floor, and they were hunting for Tyler Hero. And that was the switch that they were going with. Um, And, you know, at the time that he was... Pl- I'm totally stuttering my words right now. Because... I'm forgetting who was guarding LeBron at the end of the first quarter. Um, You got to be kidding me. Derrick Jones Jr. I, I don't know what I was thinking. You know what's funny? I couldn't get Justice Winslow out of my head for some weird reason. We know he's in Memphis. We know he's been gone for a hot minute. But I knew that wasn't him. And in my head, I'm sitting there going, he couldn't. He was guarding Justice Winslow. Guarded by Justice Winslow. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Like, that was weird. Anyway, moving right along. He was guarded by Derrick Jones Jr gets the switch on Hero. Instead of switching, Miami decides to double. Fine. He swings the ball over to Anthony Davis. who swings the ball over to Alex Caruso, who hits a three in the corner as time expires into the, the first quarter. You can't keep selling out on LeBron like that with double teams. This is not going to work. I would actually try to stick man coverage on LeBron. He's going to kill you anyway. Concede that. I just would. Because otherwise, you're playing uh, four on three. And that's mismatches all over the board. And the Lakers shooting is like it was in game one. I mean, role players are getting step-up jump shots. Not that the Lakers can miss those, because they most certainly can. But you're giving them shots with confidence off of double teams that, you know, aren't being fully effective anyway. LeBron's going to get his. And AD is going to get his most of all. But let's get back to what we were talking about here in terms of the backcourt strategy. We've got to fill Dragic's hole, right? I say you start Hero in Dragic's place, bring none off the bench. You know that Hero's going to give up defensively either way. It doesn't matter. LeBron's going to play 44, 45-plus minutes a anyway. So those minutes are going to overlap. Eh, I'm probably being a little high. But those minutes are going to overlap with Hero at some point. So you're going to get attacked as long as Hero's on the floor. You need Hero on the floor for the offense that he brings. And there's no two ways around that. Ease none in. That's what I would do for the backcourt. Now, as far as the big situation, yikes. The Heat had gone small for most of the postseason at certain points toward the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. They were playing Andre Iguodala at the 5. That's great. That's not going to work against AD. It just isn't. Especially when my when Los Angeles goes small with AD at the 5 and LeBron at the 4, or Marquis at the 5-4, AD and LeBron. That's a lot for a 36-year-old Andre dollars And the age I'm bringing up just because he's been around a while, and that's that's a lot of wear. The dude's been rested and good, but, like, come on. Now everyone's built like LBJ, right? So you don't want to do that. My thought process you have Myles Leonard off the bench. You have Kelly Linick. Myles Leonard has been just completely gone for the entire postseason. He had one little nine-minute stint in Game 3 for the Heat over the Milwaukee Bucks. Didn't do anything 0-2, no rebounds. That was it. Do you want to say, okay, great, let's get some heavy NBA Finals minutes? You may have to because of the size he brings. But Kelly Linnick, also a similar size, 6'11", 240. He didn't play in Games 4 or 6 against Boston, but he was the third center to get in behind uh, Solomon Hill, who also went from playing not at all in the playoffs to getting some spurts, you know, in that 4 or 5% for Miami. Um, He played 18 minutes. On game one, he's not great. Defensively, he's going to be picked apart by LeBron, by AD. But at least in the offensive end, both he and Myers Leonard can stretch the floor, maybe give another uh, element on the offensive end to watch for AD and, and Dwight Howard and Markeith Morris, JaVale McGee, who didn't play, guys like that. Because with Bam, he does so much, but he's not stretching out to three. So you might have to say, hey, we have two imperfect pieces to replace our perfect piece. And that's just what you have. You have the toggles together. I would continue to go small with Solomon Hill and, you know, Jay Crowder at the four, size five, on Andre Gadala, but not the five position just totally because you need someone with size to match with AD. ads already a checker piece that couldn't be strategized against just in general. There, there, he was the one piece, even with Bam Adebayo, that was going to be tough. And now minus Bam Adebayo, it's like, geez, but that's what I would do. Concede that, hey, we're going to have the tryout, score you. We're going to try to make things difficult. Look for some different looks. You know, try to do some more switches. Put some more pressure on AD and LeBron, the defensive end. Maybe run more actions. You know, around them with Jimmy Butler, pick and pops, things of that sort to kind of get them moving and hope that you know we can somewhat detain them with our collective Miami Heat defense because that's the only way that's going to happen. Um, you're not. You're, you're just not going to victory with Kelly Linick and Myers Leonard. The days of Kelly Linick raining threes and bringing Boston to 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 you know third rounds and whatever what. He had a couple of years of guns against Washington, if I remember correctly. But those days are done, in my opinion. Just saying. Um, funny thing about defending Anthony Davis, Jay Crowder defended the most in, in you know Wednesday's game, and in 18 is according to Athletic partial possessions with Crowder guarding him. Davis scored eight points on two of seven shooting now he did kind of mitigate that or even it out by going to the free throw line four times Andre Godala had 10 partial possessions on Davis held him to two points on one of three shooting but the funny thing was Adebayo actually struggled the most of any player to guard Davis Davis was going just shooting smoothly over him had a nice couple mid-rangers he scored eight points on Adebayo in six possessions now does that average out yes of course in the end Davis over Jay Crowder isn't that much of a competition to me uh Davis will leave his mark for sure it didn't happen in game one it'll probably happen in game two bottom line AD finished with 34 points on 11 of 21 shooting, grabbed 9 rebounds, had 5 assists, had 3 of LA's 8 blocks. Like, did you stop the man at all? No. You didn't. You got to the free throw line 10 times. There's not a perfect solution for guarding AD, but there wasn't one to begin with. So, that's what I'm thinking. Offensive end, or just in general, for Drogic, you start Hero. It is what it is. Bring him off the bench. Hope that he can kind of play like he did in game one. I don't see him going off for 18, 20 points unless there's more glorified garbage time. But someone who can, you know, shoot the mid-ranger uh, more effectively. Someone who can shoot the three somewhat. Uh, you know, he was second in rookie of the year for a reason. Play like that. He hasn't played in a long time, at least the minutes that he has the potential to earn right here. But this is his time to shine. This is time to prove that, right? So that's what I would do there. Start hero, bring him off the bench. For Bam Adebayo, start small. I'm not starting Kelly Olynyk or Myers Leonard. I would probably start Crowder, Igudala, and no, oh, I got to start one of them. I'd start Olynyk. You got to start Olynyk. Got to have some size at the front to guard AD. Unless you think that Crowder and or Igudala slash Solomon Hill can guard him from the get. And I, I come to think of it, the more I'm talking myself into that, I don't. Aside from that, you have to hope that the Lakers kind of regress to the mean. They're not going to have three-point shooting like they did. Uh, At least, I don't think that they are. They've been, uh, as we all know, a subpar to just bad three-point shooting team during most of the bubble. You know, LeBron's three-point shot comes and goes. AD's been pretty solid. Uh, Rondo's been pretty solid. Marquis's been pretty solid. Danny Green's been streaky. KCP's been solid. Alex Caruso's been terrible. Charles Barkley version, terrible from three. So, you know, the fact that they were able to knock down as many as they did that, that speaks more, I think, to just how well they were locked in for L.A. But eventually, I would think that goes down. I mean, 45, I mean, not 45, 39% from three. 15 of 33 shooting from three. 15. Now, I think they're undefeated when they shoot more than 33% from three, and they shot 39%, so come on from there. I'm just saying. Do I see that happening again? Eh, I, I mean, maybe one or two more times in this series. I don't think that's something that you can consistently bank on for L.A., they have competent three-point shooters, but just in general. I mean, LeBron had two, AD had two, Danny Green had three, three of eight, KCP had two, and then you had Markeith Moore, so two after that. You had one each from Kuzma, Rondo, Caruso, and Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook got his in garbage time. Kuzma went one of four, Rondo went one of five, Caruso went one of three. So even with their three-point shooting, it wasn't like they were like red hot, but they knocked down a lot. In that first half, they really were. The second half, they, 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 they severely struggled. They only knocked down, if I remember, four three-pointers in the second half. And you see they checked up a lot. So you know that they kind of cooled off a little bit. You have to hope that, if you're Miami, the Lakers three point shooting cools down, right? Because if that happens, then you can stick to the zone defense more. The hope being that if you the hope being that if you stick to the zone defense more, then you're able to form that wall in the paint to kind of keep LeBron and A D out. Now it's gonna be harder with Bam out because you have less size. And with you put a Linux or, or or Leonard in, then you have requisite size, but less athleticism by 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 a great margin. So you have to wonder how that goes, you know, in terms of the base strategy defensively for Miami. But at least you can keep some of the base core concepts of that defense by sticking to it, hoping the Lakers miss some shots, and focusing, okay, we're going to have – LeBron and AD as our focal points we're going to do our best to make them jump shooters we're going to do our best to wall off the paint we're going to try to limit fouling them and send them to the line and Lakers shooters if you make your shots okay you beat us and and guess what if the Lakers make shots like they did in game one they will win this again in another blow just easily Like it's not that hard it's not something to overthink if they're knocking down three point shots like this it's over it's over Miami just doesn't have the requisite offensive firepower at this point to match up with LA like that they just don't especially with LA's defense being as tuned up as it is so, I, I say stick to what you were doing. Hope that, you know, the Lakers' throughput shooting continues to cool off. On the offensive end, ride the way you got there. It wasn't through one play. It wasn't just through Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero had his moments. Duncan Robinson has had his moments. Obviously, Bam Adebayo and, and Goran Dragic literally Jordan led the heat in scoring in the postseason. So, they've had their moments. Do it collectively. Look for open shots. You got to do what you got to do to grind those points. Muck it up. Go like Cleveland in 2015. Remember, do you remember? Kevin Love was out before the finals started. Kyrie Irving played, uh, already injured in game one of the finals that year. Then he busted his kneecap, broke his kneecap, was out. And the heat, the, not the heat, my mistake. The Cavs' game plan, from basically the end of game one, from overtime of game one on, was to slow the game down, run through LeBron, muck it up, hunt for mismatches, make your shots, grind defensively, turn the game into a slugfest, keep it in this muck-and-grime type of pace that you can control more easily. Miami should try to do something similar to that. Maybe put Jimmy Butler in LeBron's place, but in that type of, okay, we're not going to run and gun and just bomb away from three. We're going to grind for our shots. We're going to make it tough for LA, and we're going to do a weekend to manufacture decent offense or at least enough competent offense to win the game. Tie it one-to-one, see what happens for game three and the status of Bam and Goran Dragas. But that's where I'm at. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Lock. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> oh my goodness, of the Hoop Ball Heat podcast. It's been Corbin Ford. Okay. So the Hoop Ball Heat podcast, potential first episode, we'll never know. Uh, that was me looking at what Miami would do, right? But now let's talk about Hoop Ball. Hoop Ball Heat podcast. What you just heard—that little taste of um. Just great, tremendous content. You just got a sneak peek of a podcast that isn't even out yet. Now, you know that the way the HoopBall team works, that that will eventually be one soon. But you just got a sneak peek of the expert analysis you can expect. And you know how? You know how? Because HoopBall has tremendous partners. They just do. Not just the people like myself who are part of the team, but also just great organizations like my bookie or Manscaped and or Manscaped, my bookie and Manscaped. Both great partners of Hoop Ball. And honestly, right now, you can get some great deals with them because guess what? You got the NBA Finals right now. You got the WNBA Finals right now as well. Baseball's in the postseason. Football's in full swing. My bookie's accepting bets on all of that. Right now, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. You can join right now. You can join today. Like, as soon as you hear this, whoa, let me go on my phone and check this out, my bookie. Join today, in my bookie with match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. That's cool, right? Free. Gotta love that. All you gotta do is enter promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-O. Ooh, started that. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-O when signing up. HOOPBALL. That's it. Free $10 wager along with matching your deposit 100% when you toss the promo code HOOPBALL. Tell them Corbin sent you. Actually, they're not gonna know who I am. Just uh, enter promo code HOOPBALL and remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. But Manscaped, now this is interesting. Just like my bookie, great offers for you here. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created, and guess what? It's out. It's the new. It's the improved. It's the lawnmower, not the 1.0, not the 2.0. It's the 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you that it's premium, I mean it is Premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, but that's not all. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates those grooming areas down under, you know, for a closer and more precise trimming. But that's not all either. They've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, and let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud, because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, and you are, because it's NBA Today, uh, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. So here's the offer: get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. Same as before, HOOPBALL for my bookie bet when get paid. HOOPBALL20 for Manscaped. H O P B A L L two zero. Again, H O P B A L L two zero Manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at Manscaped.com. That's a great deal. Check it out for sure. So we got some news, got some news, we got an award that was won, yep, we got to share that, all about achievements, positivity, and light on NBA Today, and you know, we had uh, the 2019-2020 NBA Sportsmanship Award, and guess what, Vince Carter was the recipient of that award, NBA announced that on Wednesday, today's Wednesday, Thursday, the days are such a blur, man, I'm telling you, it's been crazy. Today's Thursday, recording. So that's when they announced or selected Vince Carter as a recipient of that award. Now, remember, Vince Carter just announced his retirement from the NBA in June. He played a league record 22 NBA seasons. That is most of my lifespan. He spent the 2019-2020 season with the Hawks. Uh, and he received the Joe Dumars trophy as the winner of the NBA Sportsmanship Award. Who's Joe Dumars? How dare you? Just, well, I'm just kidding. But Dumars, two-time NBA champion, Hall of Famer, played 14 NBA seasons, was part of that you know, iconic bad boys team and won the very first sportsmanship award way back in the 1995-1996 NBA season. I'm not going to date myself, but I was less than four, less than three, less than, doesn't matter. Anyway, each NBA team nominates one of its players for the sportsmanship award, which is done to honor a player who, you know, best represents the ideals of sportsmanship on the court. Someone who, you know, is an ambassador for the game, someone whose kindness and and, and love of that is shown. And not only that, but just being an all-around good person. Plenty of good, people in the nba plenty of them but someone who is, is is nominated from the team and is selected from that for just keeping all of those positive aspects in general so in addition to carter from the southeast division the other finalists for stephen adams of the okc thunder from the northwest division harrison barnes of the sacramento kings from the pacific division langston Galloway of the detroit pistons from the central division tyus jones of the memphis grizzlies but from, from the southwest division and Garrett Temple from the Brooklyn Nets from the Atlantic Division. All in all, Carter received 143 of the 266 first-place votes and 2,520 total points in balloting. Balloting, my mistake. Right behind him were Garrett Temple and Steven Adams, who finished second and third, respectively. Uh, just real quick, since we got, you know, already talking about Vince Carter. 22 years in the NBA. Eight NBA All-Star selections, All-NBA twice. Can't forget he was rookie the year way back in 1998-1999 played the third most games in nba history the only player to appear in a game for four different decades he ranks 19th on the nba's all-time points list and sixth in the nba's all-time three-pointers made list and on his way out the door as an nba player he wins the 2019 2020 nba sportsmanship award so congratulations to vince carter now got some more news and this happened very very fast do you remember us talking a couple days back doc rivers You know, mutually agreeing, quote unquote, to part ways with the Los Angeles Clippers, and you know how, although he did disappoint in the playoffs for the most part, he had to go through a lot of different circumstances. A lot of that was also able, as far as blame, be placed on the team, and then maybe he just got the, the the bad end of the stick. Well, he was out, he was free for a couple of days, and then all of a sudden, breaking news. Well, not really. Doc Rivers has reached an agreement to become the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, Doc went 356 wins to 208 losses over seven seasons with LA. This was a very quick courtship for Doc Rivers and the 76ers. Because remember, former Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni was in contention for the job until Rivers became added to the league's carousel and then was immediately swooped up. Those two sides, Rivers and the 76ers convened very quickly. They watched game one of the NBA finals together and they were boom, they were there. Now, as you know, Rivers takes over for Brett Brown. Brett Brown was fired after the 76ers were swept by the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. You are not trusting the process anymore. You are trusting the Doc. Because guess what? The Doc is in, guys. The Doc is in, gals. The Doc is in. That, that Nope. Okay, that's fine. Uh, even that, I mean, we talked about this before, but Brett Brown, man. Ben Simmons missed the entire postseason with a knee injury. And being the players brought in recently, couldn't bring enough scoring to, to match up. But here's Doc's going to have an interesting time. Doc is because uh Elton Brand spent 180 million to re-sign Tobias Harris and nearly 100 million to sign free agent Al Horford, and now you have those two who totally, totally dropped the ball and just totally crudded the bed against the Celtics. You have those two. You have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid who are poorly stuffed. Tension, and you got to find a way to make that work. Will there be some changes coming in the future for Philadelphia? Well, we know if Mike D'Antoni was announced as head coach that there would be because the rumors are saying that if he was to go over and join the, the, the 76ers as a coach that there will be some changes. That roster is currently constructed doesn't fit D'Antoni's scheme but since D'Antoni's not the coach does that roster the Philadelphia 76ers roster of course as currently constructed fit any modern NBA team? Can that work? When you your your best players are all what, two positions? All of your best players? and And, and Josh Richardson? Just saying. You have Josh Richardson, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Al Horford, Tobias Harris. That's five. That's five. Only one can kind of swing between the guard spots, and really he's more of a 2-3. Everyone else is more of a 4-5 or a straight-up 5. That's rough. Now, Elton Brand said before the season ended, or just after the season ended, rather, that they weren't looking to trade Ben and Joel, that they're, you know, 24 and 26, respectively. They're trying to complement them better. We'll see how that happens. Um, We'll see what 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 is going on. For the 58-year-old Doc Rivers, remember, he right now is 1,624 wins to 943 losses in nearly 21 seasons as an NBA coach. And with him being hired again, the black coaches in the NBA remain at four, which I'm not going to comment on. I already talked about that in a previous episode. Definitely make sure to check that out. But Rivers merely took a break for a second, stepped away from a Clippers duds, turned on to Philadelphia 76ers duds. We'll have to see how that works out. Breaking news, uh, we found out, or just now actually, like not even a couple seconds ago, that both President Trump and the First Lady tested positive for the coronavirus through Sham Sharania. Yes, NBA breaking news reporter Sham Sharania reported that Donald Trump and the First Lady tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, You know, you don't want anyone to be sick. Yeah, in general this this pandemic has been a tragedy for everyone involved. I wish that anyone who ever tests positive for coronavirus at any point in time, I don't care who you are, recovers because it's horrible. Lives have been ruined, families have been lost, I struck personal, I struck home for myself. Uh I just thought it was very interesting that we're going through uh shams now. Like, wow. You do do you shams. You talk NBA. you get politics, you get general life updates, you know, you're gonna report when I get to work tomorrow. That's just going to happen, right? Right? I'm just saying. All right, last thing before I go off. I'm already getting upset right now about the reaction to the Lakers being the Heat and the Heat being hobbled. It's been rough. I get it. The Lakers will more than likely sweep this one. I'm going to say five games. Let's give Miami some respect. But if Bam and Dragic aren't playing throughout, that's all I'm giving them, right? And right now, you start hearing the naysayers and the this and that. Oh, well, the Lakers just beat up on an injured Miami team. This is going to have an asterisk next to it. Yada, yada, yada. They didn't have to play the Clippers. Yada, 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 yada. We're going to stop that right now. Because first of all, here's the thing. LA beat the teams in front of them. Nobody told the Clippers to lose three, three straight games in a row. Nobody told them to do that. To the Nuggets. And... If they lost three straight games to the Nuggets, maybe the Nuggets are a better team in this postseason than the Clippers. And, and and this is so funny, but coincidentally, the Lakers beat the Nuggets, who beat the Clippers. So we don't have to do some mental mind games to figure out how that might have worked if the Lakers and Clippers played together. In fact, we don't have to do any mind games, because guess what? The Clippers didn't make it to the West Conference Finals. The Nuggets did, and the Lakers beat them. So let's move on from that. Also, when the Lakers beat the Poland Trailblazers, before this series, that everybody was talking about, Oh, wow, Damian is so hot right now from the bubble, and he was torrid. But I'm just saying, they might score an upset. The Lakers don't have a great matchup for Damian Lillard, and, and they might have a comeback. This might be the scariest eighth seed we've seen, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then that happened. They lost the first game. Oh, my goodness. Maybe this is an upset. Then they won the next four. And then, like, well, you know, the Blazers were all beat up and injured. And they were the number one seed anyway. And that's what they are supposed to do, right? That's fair. Portland was beat up, especially, you know, Damian Lillard going down. It, it just didn't happen. Sorry, say la vie. Moving on. Then, you have the Rockets. James Harden and the new Rockets, pocket rocket small ball attack is really going to make mincemeat out of the Lakers in their big lineup. So then the Lakers go small. Bring Markeith Morrison, you know, bring AD, slide them up, run all over the Rockets. Just totally obliterate them. They lose the first game, finish the rest. Well, you know, the Lakers have AD and there's not a good matchup for him. I'm sorry. The Lakers had AD all season. Just say. But let me continue. Well, you know, okay, well, let's see how they play against the Clippers. Oh, the Clippers didn't make it. Oh, my gosh. Well, guess what? If they played the Clippers, I already talked about that. But see, Clippers not making the West Conference Finals, okay? Fine, boom. They beat the Nuggets. Now, well, everyone knew the Lakers were the better team anyway. They had LeBron James. They had AD. I mean, this was expected. This was expected, right? This was expected. I'm sorry. If that was the case, why are everybody on the Bucks train? Why are everybody on the Clippers train? This was expected. I'm just saying. Let's not all do our revisionist history cast because right now those are gone. The wind has blown those away. Those are gone. Only the facts are here right now. On NBA today, NBA today is only about the facts right now. And these are the facts. The Lakers beat the teams in front of them. They did. Now they're playing a Heat team that probably would have lost if healthy. It is a shame that injuries are part of the game. It is a shame that the Heat won't be able to give their best shot when they go down. But they would have gone down. But that that being set aside, it is a shame that the Heat were not able to prove that. But guess what? In 2015, when LeBron lost Kevin Love and uh, Kyrie Irving, that championship for Golden State still remains the same, right? In 2016, when Steph Curry was banged up through the postseason and the Cavs won, that hardware for the Cavs is still just as shiny. That's the Cavs. They earned that. Let's go all the way back to 1989, Detroit Pistons. When they played the Los Angeles Lakers, Byron Scott went down just before game one. Magic Johnson went down during game one. They swept the Lakers. That's still a championship for the Detroit Pistons. That still goes down as two. It is what it is. 1988, Game Six. Isaiah Thomas sprains his foot while going absolutely off on the Lakers. Lakers still win that game. Isaiah Thomas tries to play through Game Seven. The pain is too much. The ankle swelled too bad. The Lakers win that game too. Guess what? The Lakers championship is the Lakers championship. You can look up and down those record books. There was not an asterisk there, and there will not be an asterisk in this one. So let's drop that act. Let's drop that game. The teams that y'all root for, they shouldn't take care of business. They didn't. That's y'all bad. That's they bad. That's what that is. The teams that took care of business are why they are where they are. Unfortunately for the Heat, injuries happen to everyone. This is a problem. It is unfortunate, but it is a thing. Doesn't make it an asterisk, okay? Just saying. All right, well, that's all I got for NBA today, NBA tomorrow, <laughs> NBA. Uh, check me out at Corbin NBA on Twitter. This is a HoopBall presentation. As I always say, hoop-ball.com. Online, HoopBall tweets on Twitter. Make sure to check them out. Got to plug my friend Garrett Bougay and I, Dunkin' Dynasty. Great podcast that we do. We had our friend Simon Sheridan Gordon of NBA Entertainment on. Yep. Just casually talking hoops. We previewed the NBA Finals in such great detail that most of it is all null and void now with the injuries, but it's still great basketball content. Definitely make sure to check that out. Follow Hoopball in general for all the great content, content excuse me, that they have going on. Great podcasts churning out. The Hoopball Lakers podcast. You got the Hoopball hot, Hawks. You got Fantasy NBA Today. You have the Box score Breakdown. All of these great podcasts to get the basketball perspective that you need from a variety of sources. All accurate. All from fantasy game be sure to do that that's all I got y'all plugging away plugging away plugging away now I'm plugging out of here y'all stay frosty I will talk to y'all real soon I right, y'all this has been a hoop ball presentation